So who is ready for the word today? Awesome. Well, I am excited to be able to speak with you in January in our vision month. I know that Pastor Matt shared with you last week about expanding. That's one of the things that we do here, which is just basically growth. We are about growing spiritually. Um, we are about growing individually. And we are about expanding and growing the church for God and the work that he wants to do. And another thing that we are about is experience. And so today I get to talk with you about experiencing God. It's something that we champion here. Matt and I, we were blessed to be um, raised up underneath Pastor Rick Shelton. And Pastor Rick, he always contended for the presence of God. And so we were raised in that. Um, we were thankful for that. And then most of you know, we came and we began this church as a campus. And so our mission was to come and to experience God in this place here in Monroe County. And so this house was birthed seeking the presence of God to fill each and everything that we did. And so we are always going to be that way. It's a part of our heart. And it's a blessing because of that. We've heard so many people come and say, I felt God when I walked in the doors. Yeah. Or we've had people come and say, is, is this weird? But I think I felt God. And we're like, no, that's not weird at all. Like, that's what God wants to do. That's who he wants to be to us is someone that we can know intimately and closely and that we can experience him. And so we are blessed to be able to say that this is a church that contends for the presence of God and that he meets and, and always exceeds that expectation. And so why is it important to be a church that contends for God's presence? In Acts 3.20 it says, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Who needs to be refreshed at times in their life? We all do. And that's whether we're low in the valley and we're struggling with something, but we also need to be refreshed when we're charging up the mountain too, because that takes energy and it takes a lot from us, and we need refreshment there. And so being in the presence of God, it lends us refreshment. Exodus thirty-three fourteen says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Rest is an important thing with God, so important that he made it one of the Ten Commandments. And when God talks about rest, he doesn't just mean sitting on the couch, but we need to do that too. But he means getting in his presence for an extended amount of time when everything else around us has stopped so that our spirit can be rested, so that we can be prepared for what is ahead. The Bible also says that in his presence is fullness of joy. And unfortunately, joy is something that seems to really be lacking in our culture. In fact, when I was a teenager, I didn't realize it, but I really struggled with depression. And it was so much so that at 17, I tried to commit suicide. And it's like, what could possibly have been so wrong with my life at 17 years old that that is where I would be? But that's where I was. And miraculously, God saved me in that moment. And so I began to turn my life back towards him. And I would get into his presence. And in his presence, I would find joy. But see, I was still bound. And I didn't know how to stay there. And so when I would leave his presence, it was like it just slipped through my fingers. And I couldn't hold on to it. And I remembered I spent many years like that. And I finally kind of could, I finally understood, like, I really am never really joyful for the long term. And I was telling Matt that one day, and God is so good, that it wasn't but a couple days or a week later that we were at a conference, much like you guys are going to come to tonight. And there was a pastor standing on the stage, and God 
He pointed us out. And that pastor gave us a prophetic word, and he said, despair has been attacking you really your whole life. And this is a guy from out of state that I didn't know, and he said in about 17, death was knocking at your door. And I knew exactly what he meant. And he said some other things that spoke powerfully to me, and he prayed, and he broke despair off my life. And he said, and by the blood of Jesus, I release joy in your life. Like, how would he have known that that's what I needed? And I remember I opened my eyes after he prayed for me, and literally everything was brighter. It was like I finally understood when people say you walk around in a cloud, there really is a cloud and everything was brighter. But what's even better is the next day, I was praying and I went into the presence of God. And see, I'm, I've raised in a charismatic church, but I'm not super charismatic myself. Like, this is about my worship experience, you know, and that's really going out there. I used to have trouble really even raising my hands. I'm not very demonstrative. And so when people would be that way, I would kind of be like, eh, you know, it's not really God. Okay. Um, but in that moment when I got into God's presence, he, he just filled me with laughter. And I started laughing and laughing and laughing. And thank goodness it was at my home because I'd probably been in like, I'm weird. There's something wrong. I got to stop this. But as I continued to laugh, it was like the joy of the Lord permeated my soul. It was ridding me. I was set free from despair, but there was thought patterns and there was habits and there was mindsets that he began to rid me of as he just poured joy into my spirit. And I have never been the same since because it's in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. Amen? And the sad thing is, is that many Christians, they either never experience the presence of God or they only do for a couple hours one time a week, and that's on Sunday mornings. And they try to live all week long on that, on that touch by, of God on Sunday mornings. And, and not that God can't do powerfully think, powerful things and he can sustain us, but why if we don't have to? If we can live in the presence of God day after day after day, all day long, don't you want to? And so I want to begin today with this question. Do you experience God all day long every day? Or is it only when you come here to church? And so before we dig into this message, I want you to think about that, and I want to pray. So if you bow your heads with me. Dear Father God, I thank you that you are a God that wants to have close communion with us, that you want to have intimate relationship with us. Father God, I pray that today that you would speak to each one of our hearts, Lord that you would have your way. You know where everyone is at, God. You know what we're struggling with, what we're dealing with. You know if we are in your presence every day or if we've never even experienced you, God. And today, Father, I pray that you would take all of us wherever we're at to a deeper level, to a deeper, deeper place, Lord God, and that we will see you in a new way, that whatever lens we're looking through will be removed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk with you today about the presence of God. And so when we talk about the presence of God, we, we talk about it in several different ways. First, there's the omnipresence of God, which means that God is everywhere all the time. There's nowhere we can go to escape God's presence. The Bible teaches us that all of creation is actually within God, and he stands outside of it, outside of time. And um, Psalm 139.7 says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? So when I talk to you about experiencing the presence of God, it's not the omnipresence of God because that's everywhere. 
We also talk about the inner presence of God. When we accept Jesus into our heart as our Lord and Savior, God's presence, his spirit comes to live on the inside of us. And so that inner presence of God, once we accept Jesus, is always with us no matter where we go. And we cannot escape the inner presence of God. But there is the manifest presence of God. And that's the presence that you say, I felt God. I experienced God. In Genesis 4.16, it says, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So if Cain left the presence of God, we know it's not his omnipresence. It has to be his manifest presence. And we know before that, God was dealing with Cain in his heart about sacrifice and his brother. And Cain didn't like it, so he left the presence of God. Jonah did the same. In Jonah 1, verse 10, it says, The men became extremely frightened. I guess so. They were on a boat, and it was a huge storm. And they said to Jonah, How could you do this? For the men they knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. God had told Jonah, Go and minister to Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to, and so he left the presence of God. God's heart for us is always to be in communion with us. And communion is sharing intimate thoughts, sharing intimate details. It's not just a conversation. It's a close connection, a close fellowship. And we were created for that. We see in the garden when we see the original intent for us as mankind that Adam walked in the cool of the day with God. He, he experienced his presence. He had deep, close connection and conversation with man. God cared so much about the details of man. It kind of blows me away because God spoke everything into existence. I mean, the sun and galaxies and the sea and the little flowers and the blades of grass. He spoke all of it into existence. But with man, he chose to use his hands to form man. Isn't that amazing? Because he wanted to know him intimately. He wanted to be in close connection with him. And then he breathed his spirit into man. Because he wanted to be able to commune with man in a way that he can't with animals. And he doesn't with flowers and with sons. He wanted to be able to have that close connection. And for man to come and be in his presence and experience all that he has to offer. At that time, communion was unhindered, but then sin entered and did what sin always does, is it blocked off the communion between God and man. It put up walls of insecurity and doubt and mistrust in the heart of man. And even though God never changes, God was the same. Man distanced himself from God because he allowed sin to enter. But see, God is a merciful, loving God, and he knew that man was going to do that. So he set out a path to restore communion with man. And we see in the tabernacle, God instructed Moses to be able to build this tabernacle. And so much of it had so much meaning and purpose. For example, they used ram skins that were dyed red to represent sacrificial death. Isn't that amazing? And the Israelites knew what it meant because they knew the story of Abraham and Isaac when God instructed Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and then he provided the substitute, which was the ram. And so every time they came into the tabernacle, they could see this is what God is wanting to do. Another part of the tabernacle that is so amazing to me is that God instructed all of the Israelites to bring a half shekel of silver. 
And then it explains it in Exodus what that means. And it's a half a gareth. And I'm like, that doesn't help me. I still don't know. But a half shekel of silver. And what he says is that rich or poor, you bring the same. That's because the atonement needed for each of us is the same. It's the blood of Jesus. My sin isn't more than yours or less than yours. You don't have to offer more than I do. We all have to offer our whole heart, and we all fully need the blood of Jesus to atone for our sins. And God instructed Moses to take all of that silver and to melt it down and to build sockets. And at the base of the tabernacle, all the way at the bottom, the poles were set in sockets of silver. That same silver that they gave for atonement. Because God was saying, listen, my plan is to atone for your sins, to restore you back to my presence, to restore you back to full communion with me. Isn't that amazing? We see in the temple, it's the same thing. That God instructs the Israelites to come and to bring of themselves, to bring of their gold, to bring of their talents, to bring of what they have, to build this place for him to come and inhabit And when they gave of themselves and they offered that, God came and he filled the temple with his presence. So again, man could come and they could enter into the presence of God. But still at this time, it was very limited. It was only certain people and it was through a very long process that they had to do. Some people say, well, if if God's heart was really for for restoration, why doesn't he just like do away with the whole sin thing, accept everybody anyway? Well, well, that's not God. And there's two things that, that I want to share with you about God is, one, God always holds true to his promise. He always holds true to his word, and he promised us free will. And so if he's going to say, you have the right to choose against me, he's not going to take back that right. He's not like us as parents when we say, you're responsible for your school, and then we go around, did you do your school? Did you do it? You're grounded. If you don't do your school, you better do your homework. That's not God. God says, I give you the responsibility of full will, and it's fully yours. But God is also a merciful, loving God, and God's ways are higher than our ways. And so without jeopardizing our free will, he provided a way for us to still come into his presence. Amen? In 1 Chronicles 28, verses 19 through 20, It says, all this, David said, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear or be dismayed for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. God has a mighty plan and a mighty purpose for our life. And if we will partner with him, if we will stay in his presence, he will never leave us or forsake us. Maybe some of you are like me to where you see all that God is doing. I mean, you guys heard what Pastor Matt was talking about last week and all the plans and the things that God has. And have you ever been at a point where you're like, I can't do that? Like, I don't have it in me to do that. But see, if I stay in God's presence, he won't leave me or forsake me. And I cannot fail if I will stay partnered with him. If I don't run ahead of him or I don't go a different way, I cannot fail. Because he covers our mistakes. He he empowers us to do what we need. He gives us the wisdom that we could never get on our own. Amen? 
First Kings 6.13 says, I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people. God won't forsake us. He wants to dwell among us. He wants to manifest his presence in our life every day. And then we see after the, tab- uh, after the temple that Jesus came, right? The manifest presence of God at a whole new level that no one had ever known before. And when Jesus came, demons were cast out. Blind eyes from birth were open. We see miracles that had never happened before in all of history happening under the presence of Jesus. People were drawn to him in droves that people have never seen before. And we saw the manifest presence of God in our lives. But at that time, Jesus was still one man, and he could only be in one place in one time, right? And so when Jesus died and he ascended to heaven, the disciples were like, wait, what's going on? Like, it will never be as good as this again. Because you're Jesus, you're the son of God, and you're leaving. But Jesus said, no, 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 wait. God's going to send a helper. He's going to send a helper. And my presence is going to be able to be in the hearts of every single person. You're going to be able to experience my presence whether you're in Israel or whether you're in Africa or whether you're in America. All at the same time, you can experience my presence with the Holy Spirit. And so then we see in Acts that God pours out the Holy Spirit. And what those people did, there was 500 people that were at Jesus' ascension. But there were only 120 people that were there on the day of Pentecost. Those 120 people, they brought of themselves. They brought their time. They said, we are going to wait as long as it takes because God said to wait. And they brought what they had, and God used what they had and filled them there. We have a part. We see throughout all of this that we have a part to play. There's something that we have to give to be able to experience the manifest presence of God. And there's lots of ways that we can experience the manifest presence of God, but today I wanna talk to you about three. The first one is the word. In the word, it instructs us, it leads us, it convicts us, and it reveals who God is. You can experience the manifest presence of God. You can feel God when you're reading the word of God. But even above and beyond that, is it takes us knowing the word of God to be able to know that's God. Like, that is what I'm feeling. That is what I'm seeing. Because if we don't know who God is, we will miss him, even though he's right there revealing himself to us at times. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then also, Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those two scriptures together say that faith comes from the word of God. You have to hear the word of God for faith to be built in your soul. And it takes that faith to be able to see God, to please God, to seek after God. Because if you don't believe that he exists, if you don't have faith for that, then you're not going to seek him. But once we have faith and we seek after God, that he rewards those with his presence. And like I started out with, in his presence is everything that we need. It's fullness of joy. It's not partial joy. God never comes and shows up and says, oh, I forgot the peace. 
I forgot the peace part, or oh man, I forgot that restoration part. Sorry, you're out of luck. When God's presence manifests, it's everything that you need all at one time. Amen? The word creates a hunger in our heart for the manifest presence of God, and it causes us to seek him so that we will find him. Another thing is we have to have a pure heart. Not doing what we know God instructs us to do, just like Adam in the garden, will cause walls between us and God. Proverbs 28, 13 through 14 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. We can sin and it can be a mistake we didn't know, and we need to repent of that. But when we sin and we know, that's just something different. That puts up walls and that distances us from God. We have to have a pure heart. Jesus came and he sacrificed so that we can be washed clean from all of that. So when we are doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing, when God has convicted our heart, and I'm not saying when man has made you feel guilty. I'm saying when God has come in, you're like, oh, I know better. You have to submit your heart to God. Let him wash you clean. He's not there trying to pound you. I used to think that. That God was waiting for me to just mess up so he could hit me with a lightning bolt or make me feel guilty. That is all the enemy. Seriously. God's heart for us is come back, my dear child. Let me wash you clean. I already knew you were going to do that thing. I, I knew that before you did it, before you thought of it. I already knew And I just want you to come back to me because my desire is just to wash you clean. Not for you to grovel and beg, but just to purify your heart. The Bible says that blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see God. When we allow God to purify our heart, and we all need that. Amen? When we allow God... to purify our heart, then we will see him. He will reveal himself to us because that's his desire is to be in communion with us, to be closely connected with us. He doesn't want any sin to separate us from himself. And then the next thing that I want to talk about is worship. And this is my favorite part. How many of you experience the presence of God today in worship? Amen. Psalms 22 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I remember there was a time where I was praying, I was reading my Bible, I was doing all the things that I thought I should be doing, and I realized, man, I haven't, I haven't really experienced God. Like, I haven't felt God. It just feels, our Christian term, dry. We were in a season of dryness. And so, but that's really what it felt like. Like, I wasn't experiencing God. And God reminded me when I was saying, God, what's going on? He was like, you come into my courts with thanksgiving and you come into my gates with praise. And I was like, oh, that's right. I haven't been worshiping. I've been coming to God and saying, God, I want more of this and I need you to do that. And will you fix this? But I hadn't thanked God for what he's already done. And thankfully, I had that word in me. I had read that word, and it was something that the Holy Spirit could use and could remind me of. And I knew it was God because I knew that was scripture. And so when I began to say, God, I thank you 
for what you've already done. I praise you for who you are before you've done anything. And I reminded myself that if God did nothing else for me, he's already done more than I deserved. That I don't need him to do any more because he's given me everything I needed when he gave me his son. And he allowed me to be redeemed from my sins. So all those things I thought I needed, God, you give to me in your time and in your way or not at all, whatever it is. And as soon as I did that, my heart was prepared and I felt and experienced God. Worship is a great way to experience the presence of God. And yes, we worship and we sing, God, I need you to do this and that, break chains and move mountains because he does that and he asks us to. But more than anything, our worship should begin with, God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are because you're so much bigger than my problems. You're so much bigger than my issues. And you are worthy of all my praise before you've done a thing for me. And when we come into God's presence like that, he will show up every time. But I do warn you, God is not a math formula. There is not some, if I do this and do that and do that, God does this. I always liked math in school and English because it was a sure thing. One plus two always equals three. It's not like science where it's like theories and possibilities and all of that other stuff that I can never, I don't know why it doesn't work out the same way every time. But God is always true to his promises. And God's promise is that he wants to be in close communion with us. And so if our hearts are seeking him, I can't tell you if you do this and this and this, guaranteed God will do this. But I can tell you, you will find him. And I can tell you that for sure because God promised that. That when you seek him, you will find him. When you worship him with your whole heart, you will find him. He will reveal himself to you. My part is to give God my best. To give God all that I have. To give God my life. And in his mercy, beyond what I can understand, he accepts that. Because I know that my life is not worthy of what he gives me back. But God's part is to do all the rest. See, oftentimes we feel like we can't go into the presence of God. We can't seek him when we've messed up. Like, i got to fix myself before I go back to church. Or i got to fix myself before I pray. Because for some reason we think that somehow we can fix ourselves better than God can fix us. Listen, when you mess up, the first place you need to go is to the presence of God. The first thing you need to do is to get back into church. Because God is the only one who can fully restore us. He's the only one that can fix us back to where we need to be. He's the only one that can, can take all of that mistake and he can wipe out all the time that it would take us to get back to where we think we are going to get back to. And he, boop, immediately restores us back to where we were. Because of his mercy. God's part is to purify. It's to restore. It's to reveal and give wisdom. And God's part is to fill. And I want to invite the team to come back up as I close out. Only God can fill. And in our heart, there is a place that will always hunger and thirst for God until it is filled with him. He created us to need him. And so in his mercy, he created us with an emptiness that will always be there until we find him. Everything else will fall short. We try to fill our life with all kinds of other things, and it all falls short because it's a place that only God can fill. 
And I want to remind us of the question that we began with. Do you experience God every day, all day long, or is it just on Sundays? Is it just on Sundays? I want to ask you to close your eyes and listen to the Holy Spirit because he has something unique to say to each one of us. And just ask the Holy Spirit, what, what is it that you're trying to say to me today? He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he wants to speak to you today.